We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast, uh, where justice and liberty for all. Joining me right now is Kyle Porter. Kyle, Oklahoma State will go to the Liberty Bowl without Justice Hill. He decides to hang it up. He's going to get ready for the NFL. I guess we should start there. Yeah, we should start there. Not a huge surprise. Kyle Boone had been uh, kind of reporting that for the last few weeks that he was leading in that direction. And, you know, I, I think uh, we probably talked about this, but I think if you read if you read between the lines with what Mike Gundy was saying after the OU game, it was like, oh, Justice is coming back for West Virginia. And then he didn't come back. And then he didn't play in the TCU game. And the language, I thought he used pretty careful language after TCU. He said something like, uh, well, we're gonna, we're gonna, we should know in the next couple of days. It, it was just, the way he said it was odd, and it, and it sort of, to me, everything pointed toward uh, this happening. But I don't know. It's a bummer. The way his career ended is a bummer, isn't it? It's a real bummer. I mean, I thought Gundy's tweet was odd the way he yeah. phrased it. Yeah, like it was. like you like you mentioned. Um, don't you let Justice tweet out his message first before you? Seemed like he just broke the news before Justice could. I thought that was interesting. Uh, but no, I mean, look, I, I'm really torn on this. Like, I totally understand that your draft status is a life-changing opportunity. You're Especially at a running back, you're going to get one real opportunity to make millions of dollars playing. And playing in the Liberty Bowl can can mess that up you can blow out your knee you can break your leg you can get willis mcgahee pretty quickly in yeah. the sport as we've seen with some major injuries throughout college football so i totally understand it from that perspective but but i'm torn because you know you you played most of this season you you committed to come back and play this year you didn't sit out this entire year to get ready for the nfl like you kind of owe it to your team to, to play the whole season do you not i mean I, I understand the business side of it i just i don't like it personally for you know to to you know, shed blood, sweat, and tears all season long, and then the last two or three games go. Ah, I think I'm out. I think I think I'm good. I'll see you guys later. Yeah, I think that we do this thing with with college sports, with sports in general, where we look at it um, differently than we look at everything else in life. Because I think if let's say you and I are working at the Ocali together, and we've got two months left, and we're just grinding out the year and whatever it's going fine just you know business as usual and then espn calls and says hey you should you should quit and go to this program for a couple months and then you can come write for us after that i'd be like yeah that's that's sort of like why i'm at college is to go do that and so we we like, I don't think anybody would look at that situation, that scenario, and be like, oh, you quit on the Ocala. You quit on the editor and she, you know, whatever. Uh, but for whatever reason, we do that with sports. I get that sports is different. Like, it's structured differently. But Justice has this opportunity to, you know, protect his future and prepare for this job, like the, the best job possible in his field. And he's going to do that. And I don't, I, I just, I don't have any problem with that at all. Well, that's an interesting way to look at it. And I certainly don't disagree with that. Um, I don't know. I just, I look at this situation. I, I really look at the, the kid from Ohio State who might be the first pick in the draft, the Bosa mm -hmm. kid. Like how, mm -hmm. how, like, how do you look at your teammates in the face when they're trying to make the playoff 
when you're giving up, you know, a 30 point loss to Purdue where you could have been out there. I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't, I don't like, yeah. I don't like it. Yeah. No, that, but again, it's not, it's not me. It's not my financial future. I'm not saying I wouldn't do the same thing. I just, I am torn on it from that perspective. Totally. And I, and I'm curious, you know, I'm sure we'll have, I'm, I'm interested to see what his teammates say, because this is, this is unusual. I don't know that it, uh, I don't think this has happened. It happened with Dez, but that was inadvertent. Obviously, this is this is a pretty unusual situation for somewhere like Oklahoma State. I'm interested to see, and I think his teammates will be understanding of it, especially because it was at the end of the year. I think it was a little different with Bosa because that was what second game, third game, and then he's out. Uh, so I think it's a little different when you have two games left on a season that's not really going anywhere. I don't know. Maybe not. I, I'm I'm curious to see what the guys that are on his team have to say on, on Tuesday. Well, I can't imagine. Uh, maybe I'm reading too much into a single tweet. You know, tweets are like emails. You don't get any sense of, you know, where they're coming from. But yeah, Gunny didn't seem too happy about it with the way he, he wrote that. Maybe that's a maybe that's jumping to conclusions, but I, I can see it from Gundy's perspective where last season Mason Rudolph and James Washington played in the camping world bowl. They wanted, they wanted to play. I think Gundy's a, an old school guy. And I think this probably just goes all over. And that's just me speculating, of course. But uh, I mean, James Washington and Mason Rudolph played their bowl game. Justice never said a word. And then he finally did. And Gundy didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess that's I guess that's aptly put. But uh, no, I mean, look, he he had a great career too. I think that's the that's what leads us to our next discussion. I guess is where does he rank all time? He's seventh in school history in rushing. He would have had a real shot to to break the uh, school record for rushing, and uh, he's he's one of the better running backs uh, in school history. Yeah, you had him third. Uh, I think you tweeted that out during the OU game this year, behind Barry and Thurman. It, I, it's so hard. It's it's such a there, there's so many different factors that come into play in terms of offensive line and era and how many touches you got and uh, what your big games were. I I can't. I mean, he's he's certainly top five. I th- I think he's probably third, fourth, or fifth somewhere around there. Uh, it, you know, I was thinking about this. It, there, there's some symmetry here with the the Joseph Randall career, right? Because you had those guys were both really young on these great like big 12 title type teams. And then their final seasons, uh, they both Randall left after his junior year too, right? Yes. So they both leave early and they both leave in seasons that are kind of mediocre for, you know, by Oklahoma state standards. And so it's just this weird sort of, I, I don't know. There's not a resounding end to their careers uh, in, in terms of the way they ended, but I, I think him and Randall are both right there. I, I mean, it, it's so hard to go back to like the seventies, right? Like the, you know, the Terry Miller stuff and the, you know, even before that, I, I, I don't know. I, I think, I think <laughs> you, you don't have an Ernest Anderson Jersey hanging in your closet. You, you don't watch much of him. No, but whatever jersey he wore, the <laughs> Oklahoma State should, should wear those throwbacks next year. Uh, no, I mean, I think there's a legitimate argue, argument for Kendall Hunter. I I, I kind of put Kendall Hunter, Joseph Randall, and, and Justice Hill kind of in a in a group. And if you want to argue one over the other, I have, I really have no issue with it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, well, the, the game that Oklahoma State – or that Justice Hill will not be playing in, and we were going to use all the headlines for Justice playing in the Liberty Bowl, was uh, – is is a game against Missouri on New Year's Eve. 
in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, is there excitement for this, Carson? I I don't uh, I don't know. How, how did you feel when the announcement first came out? Oh, I didn't really feel anything, Kyle. <laughs> I was emotion, emotionless. I mean, uh, no, I mean, if you take everything into account, I think it's possibly the best situation they could have gotten. You know, you mm-hmm. get to play an SEC team who's who's ranked, and you're playing, you know, in a New Year's Eve bowl game where a lot of people will be watching, I assume. Or maybe not a lot of people, but some people will be watching. <laughs> 245 on New Year's Eve? That yeah, might be, I mean... Might, might be some small ratings. Well, if it was like seven or eight o'clock, people would be out and definitely not watching. True. Maybe they'll maybe they'll be pre gaming watching the Liberty Bowl. True. But um, but no, I mean it's cool they're playing Missouri again. They played them in the Cotton Bowl a few years ago. Uh, it's a Big Twelve reunion of sorts. So I, I think it's a good matchup. I think it's one that they should be ready to play because they're an underdog. <laughs> they're playing a ranked team. That's usually when they play better. So it's it's actually a good matchup for them. I think. Yeah, it's perfect. At least they didn't get Vandy in the in the Texas Bowl where they would have lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, as... or, or Army and the Armed Forces where the whole country <laughs> the whole country would have been against Oklahoma State at that point. <laughs> uh, it is weird that the Texas Bowl ended up with Baylor Vandy and the Liberty Bowl, which ranks below the Texas Bowl for both the SEC and Big Twelve in terms of of bowl pecking order, ended up with a with I think a, a much better matchup in Missouri and Oklahoma State. My, my only complaint, and I, I think I said this on my kind of re, uh, video recap on Sunday, but I, I don't love playing – now, I'm kind of going against what I said. I, I would have I thought it would have been fun to play Texas A&M, but I, I want to play schools or programs that are kind of outside of, of the teams that Oklahoma State usually plays. They have a long history with Missouri. <clears throat> they, they don't have a long history with a team like, I don't know, uh, Wisconsin or – uh, Washington State, or you know somebody like that. Virginia I, I, Tech last year. Virginia Tech, that was great. That was a great example of of you don't usually see this matchup. So it's kind of fun. It's kind of new. There's a novelty to it. I just I, you don't. It, while it is a better matchup than you could have gotten, it's not necessarily a program that I would have chosen if given the opportunity. Why did they pick Vanderbilt over Missouri? Why did they? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I have no Why idea. Why would they do that? It's not like Vanderbilt's going to bring a lot of fans. That's why Iowa State got picked to go to Alamo. I mean, Vanderbilt's a private school. Vanderbilt's I don't six know. And that was six. weird. And they and they they got in. They were four and six going into the last two weeks. They beat uh, Ole Miss and Tennessee. I don't. I guy, don't get the guy who the guy who runs the Houston Bowl has to be a Vanderbilt alum. That's the only <laughs> explanation. I I know. I mean, it's crazy. And Missouri so, went eight eight and four. Yeah. Missouri's, Missouri's good. Yeah, and it's going to be like a Big 12 game. The over-under should be about 100 for this game. Yeah. I mean, they run RPO, they run spread. They're still running the offense that Heupel installed when he was at Missouri. So it's going to be a fun matchup. Yeah, I'm excited. It, it could have been worse. Uh, it obviously could have been better. But I don't know. The, I feel like the – I've seen about this on, on Sunday when the matchups came out. I feel like the, the Big 12 bowl uh, sort of – Slate like the 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 games that you could go to as a Big Twelve team are kind of lousy, right? I They're mean, it's terrible. Like... I meant to bring that up. I mean, your big reward, like if you don't make the if don't make the uh, the playoff or the New Year's Six bowls, is the Alamo. The Alamo is mean, the best bowl. Yeah, the Alamo, and it's the Alamo's fine. It's a fine bowl. But it's it... a good bowl, but then after that, you get to the the Camping World and 
crappy Orlando, the worst bowl experience I've ever had. Uh, yeah, it's it's terrible. You go to Amon Carter, which you already play in. That's a bowl. The Houston Bowl, which OSU went to when they were bad. What happened Back to when like they were Sean? What happened to the uh, like the Holiday Bowl? Like that it's was just, always it's terrible. It's barely a. I don't even know if it's a bowl anymore. Just I, it was really it was really poorly run. It's a great location, being in San Diego, but the bowl itself was poorly run. But no, that used to be like the biggest bowl you could go to besides you know the BCS. Remember. Like Major Applewhite out there playing against Washington was a big time bowl. Like, I don't know. I, I would the, thought about that too. There's not any good options once you get past the Alamo. Yeah, the Oklahoma State Oregon matchup and whenever that was, 2008 in the Holiday Bowl. That was like a that's, that was a, that's a little more relevant uh, reference than the one I gave. <laughs> yeah, but that was like a it was a thing. I mean, it was a big deal. It was it felt important. And now your reward for and you know part of it I think is you lose some of the luster when you start naming things, the cheese it bowl and the red box bowl and the camping world bowl. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't carry the same weight historically as like the holiday bowl or the, the blue bonnet bowl or something that just is a, 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 a big deal and has been for like 50 years. So I think that's part of it, but see like a San Diego bowl game should be, it should be thriving. Like that should be a big deal because you can, you can attract people from both schools to come. Who doesn't want to go to San Diego in December? Um, it's a, it's, it should be a good matchup. I mean, it used to be between a, a Pac-10 or a Pac- whatever, however many teams are in their conference, a Pac-12 and a Big 12 team. I, I just – I don't know. I don't get it. Well, how about this? West Virginia finished third in the Big 12. I know. And, and they're playing in the camping world, which <laughs> is like the redheaded stepchild bowl to the Citrus. It's Didn't, like the the appetizer bowl to the citrus bowl because they play in the same stadium a week apart. It's like the minor league bowl, and that's where West Virginia's going. It's where OSU went last year. It's it's uh, and they finished with the same record as the team that's going to the Sugar Bowl. <laughs> right, Texas going to Sugar. Texas going to the Sugar is it's well we can talk about that. Uh, speaking of bowls, uh, OU and the college football playoff, uh, they are a I saw a fourteen point underdog to Alabama in the uh the orange bowl um were you surprised that they got in no i i think um it was pretty obvious they deserved to get in over ohio state they i think it's obvious to anyone with a brain that wasn't interested in ratings that they belonged in over georgia so no i i didn't think it was i thought it was well deserved and i mean how could you put ohio state in they lost by 30 to purdue georgia lost twice didn't even win their conference no i wasn't surprised at all were you no, not really. Uh, Barry Trammell wrote a really interesting article talking about how OU always gets the benefit of the doubt uh, when it comes to situations like this. And I was like, wow, that's... Uh, it's true. I mean, it is true, if I that, guess. If, if, o, if, you, if it was OSU and they had the same exact resume, yeah, same exact offensive stats, they wouldn't get in, would they? No. Right. No, no, no chance. It would have been... That goes back to our, uh, our uh, Justin Brownlee's juggernaut theory. Yeah, that we've talked about so much, and I get it. It's just it, when you when you put a committee in a room, we've talked about this a thousand times. The the biases are strong, and that's not like I don't think any I don't think anybody in that room hates um, Oklahoma State hates uh, I can't even think Northwestern what whatever just these just a tradition a, a non traditional team that is good, but it's it's impossible to pick uh, like if if Oklahoma State was in that situation and they were the team that was twelve and one. 
and Ohio State was on the other side, the committee would have picked Ohio State because they're Ohio State, and that's just the way it works. And uh, so, yeah, I, I thought that column by Barry was was interesting, was true, and, it man, it's tough. It, it's a reminder every year when we get the same six teams vying for the playoff that it's so hard to break out of that second or third or fourth tier into that upper crust of college football and Oklahoma State has been trying to do it for a decade now and they've they've been kind of unable to to do so yeah it's basically I think we're entering the point where there's playoff fatigue because it's Alabama it's Ohio State it's Oklahoma and it's Georgia basically every year from now on did you watch Bama Georgia I did (laughs) I mean can I just get on my soapbox here for a second yeah let's go can we talk about how ludicrous it is that people were trying to say that the eye test and that georgia should be in the top not only should they be in the top four for playing alabama close they should be three this goes back to 2011 with this ridiculous eye test the eye test and as joel Klatt has put turns college football into figure skating and a beauty pageant what does their resume say? You go back to 2011. OSU's resume was far better than Alabama's. Alabama had already lost the opportunity to play for a national championship. But they go to, ooh, what do the recruiting rankings say? What did rivals? Well, Alabama's better. Well, if that's the case, and you're just going to go by talent and eye tests, let Vegas pick the top four teams after the season every single year. To hell with the season. Who cares? It's just ridiculous. And then people argue that the season will be devalued like the regular season will be devalued if we go to eight teams well you're trying to argue the same people are trying to argue for a two loss team that didn't win their conference to get in the playoff just this stuff makes me hate college football do you, do when, you, when herb street's sitting up there talking about georgia needing to be in don't even call it a true playoff just call it the sec invitational featuring alabama and clemson <laughs> Featuring Clemson. Alabama's already in an SEC Invitational. Featuring okay. no, featuring Notre Dame and, and Clemson. Okay, uh, SEC Invitational featuring Clemson and <laughs> a team to be named later. That's that's how it works. Did I'm you so see it, an undefeated team has never won the, the college football playoff? Nor has the number one seed ever won it. So, yeah. It's good news for OU. I think 14 points is way too many with OU's offense. Yeah. Uh, I'm so fascinated. I wish I could cover that game. It's Are you going down there? I am. That's awesome. That'll be fun. Be fun. Um, okay. People aren't here to listen to us talk about Alabama and OU. Uh, what's, we're going to do a toast, Carson. Uh, it's time for the Coop Ale Works Toast of the Week. Coop Ale Works, bring great-tasting craft beer in Oklahoma City. Try the flagship F5 IPA. The Bold DNR Belgian Strong Ale, or the Refreshing Horny Toad Blonde. For your next watch party tailgate or get together with friends, enjoy a cold Coop Ale Works, and please remember to drink responsibly. Carson, uh, who are you toasting this week? I got to toast Justice Hill. I mean, I don't yeah. think there's any other option. I will toast a Oktoberfest. Are those still in season? Yeah. Are they out of those yet? Okay, we still got Oktoberfest. So I'll, I'll toast Justice. I mean... I got to eat a lot of crow. I remember when he was a true freshman, I was like, they're not going to start a true freshman at running back. Yeah. And he ended up becoming one of the better running backs in school history. So credit to him. Credit to, you know, we, we rag on Gundy's recruiting and rightfully so, but he is really good at evaluating um, three star guys, two star guys of that nature. And Justice Hill is another prime example. 
so great career. I hope he tears it up in the NFL. But uh, OSU's going to miss him. I know a lot of people on your blog and in the Slack chat are, are Team Chuba, but Justice Hill is one of the best running backs I've ever seen play at OSU. Yeah, I think I think uh, I mean I'm Team Chuba, but I, I don't I'm not here for the uh, he's as good as Justice talk. I, I just he's fine, but Justice is. He's an all-timer. I mean, he's an all-time great. So, yeah, that's good. Um, I'm going to toast somebody. I'm not here to talk about the past. I'm just here to talk about basketball season. I'm going to toast Michael. I'm going to I'm going to toast Michael Weathers. Uh, he has played really well in in the last few games as he sort of gets uh, assimilated in, into this Oklahoma State team. I didn't watch a ton of the Minnesota game on Friday night. But the parts that I watch, he's just uh, and and I've I've sort of written this. Maybe we've talked about it too. But he's a guy. I mean, he is a piece on what could be like on on a on a hypothetical Big Twelve title contending team. Michael Weathers is a legitimate piece. I don't know how many legitimate pieces Oklahoma State has, but he has been so impressive off the dribble. Uh, with his with his his basketball IQ is really high. He's just he's a really good player and he's really fun to watch. So. I'm gonna toast a. Um, I'm gonna toast a F5 IPA to Michael Weathers. Um, so yeah, there you go. One, two, three, four. Oh, she has five guys averaging double figures, including Weathers. Yeah, pretty impressive. He doesn't even. What, start. Ha- what happened against Minnesota? I didn't get to watch much of that game. Uh, they just they went on a run in the second half. Oklahoma State's kind of lousy defensively. I mean, they shot. I think. I think Minnesota shot like 60 or 70% from three in the second half. I mean, that's just, that's just a lack of defensive intensity. Need to bust out the uh, football pads like Eddie maybe. did back in the day. Yeah, maybe so. In place of defense. My, my father, Michael Cunningham, averaging uh, 10 points per game. <laughs> good to see. Good to see that Cunningham still have, have the game. It's good. Okay, uh, Carson, we're going to do something a little bit different this week. Uh, we have not done this before. I've I've uh, been on, I've been a guest on some podcasts where it's been done, but I, I thought it would provide a little bit uh, of structure to uh, our pod this week. We're going to um, we're going to talk about Oklahoma State's schedule uh, over the next week. So basketball, football, anything that's kind of upcoming uh, over the next week. So let's get to this week's uh, OSU schedule. Brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one stop Cowboy shop on Campus Corner. And be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Thanks again to Chris's for uh, providing all of our, or excuse me, distributing, making and distributing all of our t-shirts. So you guys can get on pfbstore.com, uh, check out some shirts there, and uh, purchase some some merchandise. So, um, okay, interesting schedule this week, Carson. Uh, basketball plays at Tulsa on Wednesday. Uh, basketball is at home against Houston. We'll talk about that briefly uh on saturday and then wrestling how about bedlam on sunday december 9th bedlam wrestling. fired up i always like wrestling you know i'm i'm a wrestling guy i'm down with uh mr duckworth the guy who's killing it for you covering wrestling on pfb yeah i'm down it's great so uh, annihilate them by the way yeah they are oh he's not very good but kind of a full week for oklahoma state athletics not to mention you have uh I believe the bolitnikoff award presentation later this week so uh there's a lot going on uh but i know you want to talk about osu houston on saturday yeah i mean this is flying under the radar i mean i know we've we're nearing the end of football now the 
the Bulls have been announced. But um, Kelvin Sampson makes his triumphant return to Gallagher-Iva Arena. I mean, you and I grew up with the Kelvin and Eddie rivalry. It didn't get any better. Um, Bedlam basketball was so intense. Kelvin was so hated, so hated as the coach. But uh, I'll always remember, you know, first of all, like, when you're a kid, you know, you sports hate these figures, and you have no idea what they're like as real people. Right. And my dad actually was at, he's, my dad's really big into the Kiwanis Club in, Ed, in Edmond. I think yeah. he's, the, he's the treasurer, has been for decades. Well, Kelvin was like a guest speaker uh, back when he was coaching at Oklahoma. And lo and behold, he sits right next to my dad. And my dad was like me. He didn't like Kelvin. He thought he was, you know, a loud mouth on the court. We always remember when Victor Williams hit that shot. He runs out to midcourt, should have got a technical, didn't. Mm. Uh, but my dad <laughs> comes home that night and he's like Kelvin Sampson's like biggest fan. Said he was like the nicest guy ever. And, <laughs> pretty much, and pretty much everyone I know that's met Kelvin or has dealt with Kelvin says the same thing. He's, he's obviously just a really good guy. I know he got in trouble with the NCAA with cell phones and stuff, but, but the thing I'll always remember about him is the 2001 Bedlam game. It's right after the plane crash. Yeah. Gallagher still is, is basically a, like awake for fans to go watch a basketball game. So it's a, it's a very, very somber atmosphere. And Oklahoma, in those in the middle of those heated Bedlam games, runs out in orange T-shirts for Remember the Ten. Awesome. I just thought, I just thought that was – I get chills just thinking about it, just yeah. how classy that is, how sportsmanlike that is, and just how thoughtful that was. So that's – as hated as, as he was for, for many OSU fans over the years, I think that's what you should choose to remember when he, when he comes back. Yeah, totally. That that's a great uh that's a great callback. I I didn't I mean, we've seen that. Uh, I mean, we saw it uh was it last year with the kid from Texas who had uh who got cancer. Oklahoma State did some stuff for him. You've seen it um different schools coming to to Stillwater for the the Bud Key thing. Like th- different schools have paid tribute, but uh I did not I don't know. I don't know if I remember that happening. That's a pretty awesome thing though. Yeah, it was really cool. I was I was at that game with my my dad actually in the stands. Yeah, yeah. That's but sweet. when you when you like to see, I mean, Kel, uh, Long Kruger's recruiting very well. Mike Boynton's recruiting very well, which I'm sure we'll discuss. Um, when you love to see Bedlam get back to the event that it was, like that was bigger than the football games back in the day. Yeah, both so good. And you get it twice. Get yeah, it, but it. they keep screwing it up on the schedule. It's like in January, isn't it? First yeah. One? Yeah, it's it's like the first one is not like you're not quite to like being in the in the swing of college basketball season. You're kind of like on the on the fringe. I mean, last year that was kind of the game that that got me into the season. I th- I think I think it was that early was the uh the Trey Young game. Or no, they played in they played in Norman first. Because uh Brady uh what's his name had like 48. Oh yeah. <laughs> He's who he's morphed into Larry Bird, by the way. I know. Uh, okay, we're gonna we're, we got all kinds of new stuff this week, Carson. We're gonna do a little segment called "One Interesting Thing I Saw," and uh, this is something that I actually do with my kids at the dinner table. So I'm stealing stuff from uh, family time. Uh, I always ask them what's one interesting thing that they saw, heard, read, thought about, listened to, anything. Uh, at dinner every night. They usually don't have very good answers, but I'm sure you will. Um, I'm going to go first, though. Uh, One interesting thing that I saw, Ian Boyd, who covers college football for a website called Football Study Hall, 
it's an SB Nation website. He was writing about uh, Texas Tech's new head coach, Matt Wells, and he was talking about how, how like how Texas Tech can become relevant, how, how they can challenge OU and Texas if that's even possible uh, in terms of recruiting and, and on-the-field play and all these different things. And he was talking about and, – and I hadn't really thought about this specifically. He was talking about how because there are so many great skill position players – in the state of Texas because there's like 400 three-star guys that play wide receiver or running back or quarterback. There's not really any big 12 teams that are short on those positions. Now you can have different, you can have varying levels of it, but it, you're very, even he was talking about how even Kansas has good skill position guys. Like they had uh Puka, uh, the running back that was all big 12 and like it's just it's it's almost difficult to be short on those guys. So you have to you have to look other places to try and gain a competitive advantage on the OUs and the Texas of the world. And I thought that was really interesting because that's not something that we talk all the time about how like we talk about Thailand, we talk about James Washington, we talk about Justice Hill. Well, like the and and not to say not to diminish what those guys are doing, but in the Big Twelve, everybody's got guys that are really good at the skill positions. You have to uh, you got You have to have really good quarterback play. I think that's a that's a little bit different. But you also have to gain an advantage at positions that are not as um, deep. You know, defensive line, offensive line, these places that maybe aren't as sexy and aren't as talked about as much, but that are just as important. Yeah, it's an interesting way to look at it. And I think too, Kyle. I think almost every major program in Texas is running the spread offense, and that's yeah. part. Yeah. That's not why every team in the Big 12 is. It's just kind of where football's gone. And I think because of that, I think a lot of the defensive players are built to be smaller and quicker, much like Big 12 defenses are. And I think that's where teams like Oklahoma get in trouble when they play teams like Alabama. They're built to play Big 12 style of football, not SEC. And so it kind of goes hand in hand. But that, that is interesting. Yeah, it was it was an interesting concept. People should go go find the article. I linked it in the bullets this morning, so it was it was good. Well, speaking of the SEC, my one interesting thing is Texas A and M is in its seventh season in the SEC, but Texas will play Georgia before the Aggies do. Wait, what? Texas A and M. Texas A and M and Georgia haven't haven't played yeah, yet. They have not played yet. They're in their seventh <laughs> season. That's you want to talk about a conference in which you don't have to play everybody? Are you kidding me? That's A&M's insane. Acting like they're big and bad over in the SEC. They haven't even played Georgia yet. <laughs> like, th- this is so silly that, like, look, does the SEC have good teams? Obviously. Do, are they the best conference this year? I think so. That goes without saying. But they only play eight games. They don't play a nine-game schedule like the Big 12. And you don't have to play everybody. A&M still has not played Georgia. So me and Brian Keating were talking about this. The Big 12 should just add two teams. We don't even care who they are. I mean, if you want to add Cincinnati and UCF, fine. But have, two, have, have two divisions and play a conference championship game and schedule those FCS cup, cream pup cupcakes in November like the SEC does. Just yeah. copy the mold because they don't get penalized for it. No, They don't have to play the best. In a given year, a certain team doesn't have to play the best teams and they still get to go to the conference championship game. I loved I loved Adam Lunt's suggestion. This will never happen, but I love the idea. Colorado has to hate being in the Pac-12 in front of twenty thousand people in the title game. Come back to the Big Twelve and bring the two Arizona schools with you. Mm. Yeah, would that be would that be thirteen? 
<laughs> keep keep UCF. Yeah, you like UCF? UCF would house Oklahoma State right now. Did you know they're the largest student body in the country? Yeah, I well I knew they were. They have I knew fifty five thousand students. Yeah, they were up. I knew they were up there with like Michigan and Texas. Um, yeah, I I I just learned that a couple years ago, and it was I was like bowled over for like five days. I was like, how is Central Florida the biggest the biggest school in the country? That's my second interesting thing. Yeah, it's great. Uh, okay, let's hear one more time from our sponsor, Chris's University Spirit, and we'll come back and wrap things up with a couple of reader questions. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma, is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986 and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head-to-toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly. Shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson. Uh, we got a few reader questions here. Put this out on Twitter. Appreciate everybody for uh, responding. The first question is, it wasn't really a question. It was more of a statement. But it had to do with uh, rumors, potential rumors, or excuse me, rumors about uh, Casey Dunn uh, potentially being gone, being off the staff at Oklahoma State. Have you heard anything around that, and and do you think there's any truth to it? I haven't. Didn't someone try to say like during one of the games this year that he quit? Like, yeah. After the game, <laughs> why are there all these rumors about Casey Dunn? Just let him golf at Karsten Creek in peace, please. And and collect Bolitnikovs. Right. I mean, now if he if he wins another one, I think the expectations of keeping him much longer will be will be dissipating rapidly. Um, but I don't know. I, he's been there so long. He seems very content there. But uh, your your Facebook Live talking about the uh, the bowl game selection was very dark, very depressing. Very that, that, that's that's where I'm going to be if, if Casey Dunn leaves. I'm going to be very <laughs> very depressed. When you sent me that text, I at first thought you meant that it was like like the lighting wasn't good, and I was it like, was, well, it was very sad. <laughs> Look like you had a big rain cloud over your head just pouring yeah, on you. Not good. Uh, no, I, I haven't heard anything about Casey Dunn either. That would be, it, it would be a weird time to leave. Like you're in the middle of this just run of Bolidnikov winners. And, uh, you know, who knows if Tylen's going to win it this week. I kind of, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to win. I feel 50-50 on that. But, um, yeah, I, I I know nothing about Casey Dunn. Uh, well, uh, if Todd Munkin gets a head coaching job, which he's mm. he's going to be on some short lists, I think that's uh, if, if if Dunn leaves, I think he might go back to the NFL, and yeah. I think he could coach with Munkin. That'd be my guess. Just take, Ty- take Tylen and Tyron with him. Ooh, that'd be nice. <laughs> okay, oh, next question. Next question is, uh, I don't, this, this person said, I don't see justice going in the first two rounds. What round do you think he will go in? Oh, I say fourth. I think I, I saw him listed as like the sixth best running back in the draft by one of the, one of the scouts, maybe higher. I mean, he's going to test off the charts. Is he not? I mean, I think yeah. he's going to do very well at the combine. So I, I would probably say fourth with a chance to move up into the third. I mean, you got to remember, like, James Washington went in the second round. Rudolph went in the third. And I think both those guys 
arguably had better careers than than Justice did, and at, at a position that's a higher premium in the NFL. You know, running back's not as high of a priority these days. Yeah, the the uh, the sixth running back off the board in 2017 was Alvin Kamara, and he went in the third round with the 67th pick. So there was there was five running backs that went in the first two rounds. And then Kamara went 67th in the third round. So, yeah, I, I was going to say third round, but I, I I have no idea. I mean, I, that stuff is so weird and changes so much. I, I could be talked into I, – I don't think he's a first-rounder, but I could be talked into second. I could, I could be talked as low as, like, fifth. Um, so who knows? But I think you're right. Like, I think when you get in a, you get in a room with Justice Hill, you talk to him – uh, you see what he can you, you see his physical attributes I just think he's going to blow people away yeah and I I do think there's a real market now more so than five years ago for running backs who can catch out of the backfield he seems to me like a guy that can be like a a guy like that yeah um, he didn't do it a ton at OSU but he, he certainly proved to be capable of doing that so I think that's something he'll he'll try to really impress on his pro day and stuff like that for sure uh, okay, with football, with the football program on the decline, basketball program on the incline, how many more years before Oklahoma State's back to being a basketball school? I don't know that the football program is on the decline, but I don't know. Maybe it is. Well, you seem very sad on your Facebook Live. Well, no, no <laughs> I know you keep saying that. I didn't, I didn't mean to be sad. It's just, what are you going to say about a 6-6 six and six season with a lame duck quarterback? I mean, it, <laughs> it is what it is. I'm just giving you grief. No, I, I know, but I, I just – I don't know. We've seen this before, right? Like we saw it in, we saw it in kind of in 2012. We kind of saw it in, um, or we did see it in uh, 14. And then you get the right quarterback into place and you have these, these bounce back years, this two or three year run where you're pretty good as an organization again. So I don't think we're anywhere close to being, to, to Oklahoma State being a, a basketball school over a football school, and I don't I don't know if that'll if that'll ever change. Yeah, I doubt that's going a bit far. Now, I will say people are far more excited for basketball to start and football to end this year than a long time. I yeah. mean, so no, I don't I don't think they're going to be a basketball. It's just oh, she's a football school now. They've they've they're finally started to try at football over the past ten years. They weren't trying for the previous twenty, thirty, or really ever. Yeah. So that's that's and I know we're gonna talk about Mike Boynton's recruiting. I mean, he got the kid from from Arkansas. I mean, what's happening with basketball recruiting juxtaposed to football recruiting? I know I is know. very 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 hard to ignore. I mean, this notion that Stillwater's a hard place to recruit to, man, I I, I don't buy that. You have a you have a program to sell. Mike Boynton's Mike Boynton misses on plenty of guys. But he goes after plenty of guys and lands plenty of, of highly rated recruits. Yeah. And it's it's time football starts doing that, man. Like I know Gundy's system works and all that, but the Big Twelve's getting better. Matt Campbell has Iowa State competitive. Kansas State's gonna hire a new young hungry coach. Things aren't getting any easier uh, for Mike Gundy to keep winning games. So that's that's what I would suggest he does. Yeah, it, it is it, it's so exciting. I mean I, I think it's so much fun to to follow basketball recruiting. I will say it, it is a little different. I mean, you, you talk about, you talk about top hundred guys in basketball. It doesn't, I don't think they have the same, um, they're not as big of a deal as top hundred guys in football. Uh, I, I don't think, 
uh, I, I, you'd, you'd have to, it'd be interesting to look at like, okay, what's the value of the 50th best guy in basketball versus the 50th best guy in football. It, it probably depends on position and what your program fit is and all that stuff. But all that being said, Boynton is, is killing. And, you know, I think that he has, I, I, I think here's the thing. Like, I think he's provided a future hope that Gundy never really has, or not never, but hasn't in like a decade because Gundy, Gundy, everything about Gundy that's exciting is happening right now. It's this game, this, this season, this, whatever. And there's, there's never really a ton to like look forward to in the same way that, I mean, like if you're, if you're an OU fan, you look at Lincoln Riley and you're like, man, I'm excited about the future. I'm excited about now, but I'm also excited about the future. And that's half the deal. You're selling hope. I mean that you're, you're selling hope to a fan base, to a coaching staff, to an athletic department. And Gundy is just not doing a very good job of that right now. Yeah, but he'll he'll point to his record and rightfully so. Yeah, but um, no, it's fair. And you're right, football recruiting is not the same as basketball. I'm not trying to say it is. I just I think the notion that Stillwater is just you know only a certain type of kid will come there. I don't I don't think that's true. I think that ain't, Stillwater, that ain't Stillwater's, true. Stillwater's a great place to go to college. You and I both went there, so yeah. I don't know. I just the look Gundy is going to coach there as long as he wants, and rightfully so, but. The idea of hiring the football equivalent of a Mike Boynton, a young, hungry guy that's going to try to land big fish, not that they would land nearly as many in football, but that's certainly enticing. And you do have to wonder, Kyle, I mean, Gundy's, is he 50 now? He's over 50. Uh, he's 51 or 2. 51. He's just, it's human nature to not you know, not grind as hard. Bob Stoops was the same way in, in the latter years at, at Oklahoma. His recruiting slipped a little. He just wasn't – he rested on winning a national championship in the Big 12 every year. It just – it seems like Gundy isn't quite putting the same level of energy into recruiting. Remember, we've talked about this before. Back in 2006, he said recruiting is the most important thing we do. Yeah. Now it's just – now it's all hopping a chopper every now and then. That's basically all we ever see with recruiting. Now- now it's just a thing they do. Okay, and look, last... I, I know I know I sound like I'm complaining about <laughs> Gundy's recruiting, but I think that's a fair criticism, and it's a reason why part of the reason why they went six and six. Once you lose Mason Rudolph, there's there's not much there. Yeah. Uh, okay. Last one. Thoughts on the overall running back situation with Justice Hill and JD King leaving early, and the incoming running back recruits. Uh, this was this is kind of disappointing to me. I mean, their running back room now. It's next year. It's what is it? It's Chuba, it's LD Brown, and it's Jamal Jeter, an unproven freshman that's not super highly touted. And, you know, you look at kind of the post Marcus Arroyo era and it's like, well, wait a second. What, what have, what have they done? Like, are they, are they still getting guys a running back? Because it doesn't really feel that way. And I know they potentially have this Deandre glass guy coming in and he might be great and whatever, but I don't know, but beyond Chuba, it's uh, it's getting a little thin in the running back room. Is Glass committed? Uh, no. So he could go to Ohio State. Yeah, or he could yeah, or he could go play at Michigan with Dax. I, I don't know. I I think I think what's gonna happen. I think he wants to go to Alabama, but I think that he's gonna end up going to Oklahoma State. Is what I've heard. Well, if they get that guy, then I think all's well, right? I mean, is it? 
Well, I mean, losing JD was not ideal. No. But it, it does certainly seem like Marcus Arroyo was this Andromeda comet of recruiting talent that just kind of flew through Stillwater and left Chuba and JD and those guys, and maybe even Justice. Justice, I think, was before him. But it does seem like they're not recruiting at the same level at running back now. I would agree. Yeah, I guess he, uh, Glass is a top uh, is a top two fifty guy, which is that's pretty that's pretty big. He's a top yeah. twelve running back in the country. Did you like my Andromeda Comet comparison for Arroyo? I don't know what that means. You don't know what Andromeda is? Uh huh. What is it? It's like a a comet. Oh. <laughs> I think. I thought it was for. I, <laughs> I thought it was from a movie that I haven't seen. Uh, no. <laughs> I thought you. I thought you knew your astrology. Astronomy. Yeah. <laughs> Andromeda is part of the astro the astro the ast- astrology uh, definitions. Uh, I, might, I might be out of my world here. Yeah, I got out of my world with uh, talking about okay. There for uh, a second. Let's see here. Well, that's not the definition I was looking for. Okay, let's let's move on. Yeah, this is not good. This is not good radio. That's all I got, though. I'm I'm done. I'm out. That's I'm good to go. And Andromeda is a galaxy. It's two point five million year. It's two point five million light years away. By the way, so which that's what that's how far away Arroyo feels from, <laughs> from still right now. Okay, Carson. Good times today. Uh, we will hopefully be back with a guest later in the week. I've got some uh, got some requests out to some interesting people, and uh, yeah, we'll talk again soon.